To our new passengers, aloha and welcome. As you board, please move across your car to make room for everyone and kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. The show will begin momentarily. Thank you. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. Welcome to Dave's Disney View Podcast, provided on our own version of the information highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. Dave's Disney View is a look at the Walt Disney World Resort and sometimes beyond, as seen through the eyes of Dave, a frequent visitor, a one-time cast member, and an engineer who simply enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. Now, please keep your party together and put on your virtual mouse ears. And by all means, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Dave. How is everybody doing? You know, one of the things that I loved about Epcot and the way it was constructed originally was sort of its spirit of imagination. They had a lot of interesting things going on. They were really kind of thinking about this idea of future world where they were kind of considering what the future might look like. And then they had these different pavilions around the, uh, the area that grasped onto the concepts of different things. So, for example, the land was all about how to use the land and use it well. And one of the things that was really kind of cool within the land pavilion was the kitchen cabaret. This was one, one of the exhibits that I really enjoyed seeing, and I really do miss it. I went to see it a number of times. It was the silliest, quirkiest little show I've ever seen, sort of drawn off of the idea of the Country Bear Jamboree or the Mickey Mouse Review. But there was something kind of engaging about it. And so what I'd like to do on today's podcast is to pay tribute to the Kitchen Cabaret and then to play some audio from the actual show. So what I'd like to do is take uh, a page from Widen Your World, uh, another Disney website that's out there that kind of looks back at some long-gone attractions. So my thanks go to Mike Lee for putting this together. So it reads, if you've never saw the Kitchen Cabaret, the first thing you have to know is that it was, as you may have already inferred, pretty darn ridiculous. For the uninitiated Epcot Center guests who approached the show from the Land Pavilion's ground floor concourse, this expectation would sink in quickly. Walking beneath the neon marquee with its cutesy alliterative name, they entered a lobby and discovered via promotional posters that the production really was about food performing on stage. At this point, they may well have turned on their heels and opted for another trip past the spinning drums of NASA lettuce on the laboring Listen to the Land boat ride. No one could have blamed them for that. Little outside of the Kitchen Cabaret's automatic doors suggested that it would transcend the novelty of a robotic Chiquita banana played out to a point of diminishing returns in a vaudeville setting by way of Chuck E. Cheese. But those who braved the heinous foreshadowing into the theater would be rewarded by an engaging experience that took the absurd concepts from posters to a glorious three-dimensional realization. It's a testament to the show's creators that such bright, cheerful, and professionally executed production could result from such nonsensical genius. Only true creative geniuses could have pulled that off, and in this case, uh, everything converged magically. The Kitchen Cabaret was a triumph of art direction, character design, and songwriting that left guests singing Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit in their heads as they exited the attraction that promised misery but delivered glee. Presented by Kraft, this strange little show delivered a musical primer in the basic nutrition and the four food groups, remember the four food groups before we had the food pyramid, 
When Epcot uh, Center opened in 1982, the Kitchen Cabaret was an attraction, Journey into Imagination's ride didn't debut until the following March, that most closely resembled something from the Magic Kingdom. Its bright colors, screwball humor, upbeat songs, and audio-animatronic figures seemed altogether familiar to anyone who had ever seen the Country Bear Jamboree or the Mickey Mouse Review. The greatest difference was the Kitchen Cabaret was, in its own way, trying to teach a useful lesson. The entrance to the 13 and one-half minute show played in a theater that was later occupied by Food Rocks, which used a few of Kitchen Cabaret's elements, and then removed to make way for Soren, which debuted in 2006. The aforementioned poster gallery led to a waiting area dressed up like back alleys of a city where singing foodstuffs were fairly common things. Bouncy jazz music saturated the bench line chamber that adjoined the row of automatic doors leading to the theater. It was customary for small children to get up and start dancing carelessly around the middle of the room prior to the showtime. Eventually, a swelling medley of the show's main musical cues began to play and signaled that it was time to jockey for position in the front of the doors. A hostess or a host would get everyone in order and deliver the usual protocol notices via microphone. Then the doors swung open and the guests filed into the theater just ahead to their left. The theater faced a stage framed by two little stages, and a craft logo was sewn in the main curtain. Directly above the curtain was an Art Deco kitchen cookware marquee with the show's name rendered in glowing neon. Once everyone was seated and relatively quiet, an announcer's voice cued the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Kraft proudly presents a show that has a whole town cooking, the kitchen cabaret. And now, here's your hostess, Bonnie Appetit. The curtain on the right-hand side of the stage went up, and Bonnie, a lady with the cartoon features dressed in her best Betty Crocker rags, she was perched atop a stack of huge cookbooks and looked like she was thoroughly worn out and depressed, as though she just stood through the O Canada film two pavilions away. Bonnie explained that it was time to plan another meal, and she wasn't too excited about it. But after singing a couple of lines about the mealtime blues, she started to let on about a way of circumventing the same old drudgery. The timing's right. The show's prepared. Let me serve it up to you. She stretched out the last note as the curtains lifted on the main stage. The setting was Bonnie's kitchen, which is about three times human size and ten times more clean than most I've been in. It was appointed with warm earth tones and a white silver appliances. To the far left was a refrigerator, to the far right an oven. Above the counter in the middle of the scene was a large window with the blinds drawn. It was surrounded by cabinetry. A basket of fruit set off to the far left side of the window. No sooner did the curtain go up than the house band, the kitchen crackpots, rose from the depths in front of the counter. The ensemble was comprised of oversized, even for this kitchen, condiments all in craft brand packaging. A mayonnaise jar led the group on beet and tuna can percussion, accompanied by barbecue sauce on a whisk base, Parmesan cheese on a measuring cup guitar, mustard on a sax, and other screwy little things that, that might have been horseradish on a matchstick piano. They pounded out a quick little tune about food groups, to which Bonnie, having quickly changed into a glittering Vegas-style outfit, provided the vocals. She belted out her intentions of chasing the low-down mealtime blues away, and the crackpots began to disappear below the stage again. Bonnie proceeded to introduce the first of the show's four main acts, Mr. Dairy Goods and his stars of the Milky Way. As a heavenly chorus sounded from above, the door of the refrigerator on stage opened slowly and the performer slid out of a recess in a cloud of dry ice and fog. In front was Goods, a flimsy milk carton with facial features and arms that held a microphone. Behind him were three female incarnations of lactose-heavy perishables, Miss Cheese, Miss Yogurt, and Miss Ice Cream. In his 30s crooner voice, Goods introduced each of the ladies, and they, in turn, warbled a couple of lines in their own praise. Miss Cheese sounded like Mae West, Miss Yogurt like a European sex kitten, and Miss Ice Cream like a homogenized Eartha Kit. Soon, their short review concluded, and they retracted back into the icebox. Simultaneously, the music kicked in for the second act, the Serial Sisters. From atop a cabinet shelf to the right of the sink, this trio, Rennie Rice, 
Connie Corn, and Ouch, Mersey Oats. Of packaged products sang in the style of the legendary and harmonically unacceptable Andrews sisters. While a swing rhythm filled the room, they told the story of the toast of the town, a loaf of bread who played a mean trumpet. In their own words, he started with some dough and then he rose to be a star. The toast, meanwhile, popped up a couple of different places and cracked off a few loud notes on his horn. He had a big puffy cheeks like Dizzy Gillespie. When that song finished, Bonnie made a suggestive pun about getting together with the bread for a jam session. Her filthy mouth sparked the ire of the next two performers, Ham and Eggs, who started yelling at her for cutting into their territory. As they shouted, steam began to rise from the stove at stage left. Ham and Eggs came up through the steam and began their vaudeville bantering to the repetitious notes of a tuba and banjo. Ham was a big, full pork roast with a shirt, tie, and vest who spoke from the mouth formed by a slice through his upper torso. Mr. Eggs was, surprise, an egg, with stilt legs and a bow tie who tipped his straw hat incessantly and wore a permanent smile. Between wisecracks and contentious digs at each other, they sang a little song about the wonders of meat while a slideshow illustrated their carnivorous fables over a kitchen sink. Soon their bickering got out of hand and they had to retire into the oven again for fear of a total meltdown. Mr. Eggs, incidentally, was the only electronic personage to appear in more than one Epcot Center attraction, and simultaneously at that, he was part of the Epcot Computer Central's Astuter Computer Review in Communicore. In that production, he didn't speak, but did provide a brief demonstration of how Walt Disney World's computers controlled audio-animatronic figures, park guests, and the Florida legislature. The fourth and final act began very quietly in the dark, as the night sky outside the window over the sink filled with fireflies and a Latin rhythm snaked into the theater. Spotlights soon shone on three vegetables sitting in the sink, and the adjacent basket of fruit had spun around to reveal faces on its inhabitants. Both groups, known as the Colander Combo and the Fiesta Fruit, sang what was to become the entire show's signature musical number, Veggie Veggie, Fruit Fruit. The broccoli character in the center of the vegetable trio also became the attraction's de facto icon, his high-pitched cha-cha-cha, to the bass profundo moaning of Big Al, the centerpiece of the Magic Kingdom's aforementioned country bear jamboree. It was during this song that Bonnie dropped into the top half of the stage on a crescent moon, dressed up like Carmen Miranda, and singing along with the produce below. Fireworks exploded outside the window, and the serenade ended with the broccoli yelping out one last cha-cha-cha. Still on the moon, Bonnie sang the segue to the finale. Then she rose up into the ceiling, and all of the acts reappeared on the stage for one last pot shot, each at the audience. Bonnie, back in her subdued housewife attire, reappeared on the left-hand side of the stage to reiterate the show's main message about the four food groups and nutrition. The separate groups joined in the orchestra to accompany her in the delivery of her final dietary doctrine, which rose to a frenzied crescendo of light and sound that culminated in an extended high note. That was the show. The curtains rolled in on each other, and the host or hostess thanked the audience for visiting and enjoying Kraft's hearty cast of characters. Of course, it was never really explained how any of the information imparted in this, in this extravaganza would actually help Bonnie in planning a meal. In fact, there was no mention of recipes whatsoever. She was left basically with a pantry's worth of musical ingredients that championed her own merits and certainly weren't going to cook themselves. Not one of them actually said, eat me. And in the meantime, she'd lost about 14 minutes. Never mind what the moral dilemma she might have been facing in the slaughter of intelligent food items with distinct personalities. There was no contemplation of vegetarianism, just as there was no second-guessing of a woman's place in the kitchen. Bring me steak, lady! Souvenir merchandise from this show was widely available during Epcot's early years. The shop just outside the show's exit was originally known as the Broccoli and & Company and offered a good selection of, of kitchen cabaret items. From placemats to magnets to notepads and stuffed animals, the majority of the items depicted in the colander combo, most notably the shop's namesake, the Broccoli. 
Years before the show folded up, however, this product line died off and was replaced by more generic kitchen wares. The Kitchen Cabaret was not a masterstroke of theme park entertainment, and in that sense, it was on square footing with many other attractions in Epcot. It was fun, however, thoughtfully planned, coherent, and exceptionally designed. In spite of the puns, the lyrics were clever and the music was catchy. A number of factors, ranging from new thinking in science nutrition and the departure of Kraft as the Land Pavilion sponsor, led to the need for the show's overhaul in 1994. It's unfortunate that none of its fine original elements survived the transition to appear in the other park attractions. They should have put the Dairy Goods and his troop up with the Polar Bears in Norway and the last third of uh, Spaceship Earth's track with Fruits of Vegetables who are excited about AT&T's global neighborhood. One of the most interesting things about Kitchen Cabaret, to me, was its physical relationship to the land pavilion in which it was located and the rest of the Epcot Center itself. It was just one of three things to which you could devote your time on just the lower level of a pavilion which made up uh, only one-third of the diversions on West Future World, which was only one-third of Future World itself, which was only half of Epcot Center. The land was a pretty busy pavilion. And so that's the uh, context from... Widen Your World and Mike Lee, and I do appreciate his input on that. I think it's just a great summary, and I think that was, it was well thought out. So I wanted to share that with you. And now what I'd like to do is play the audio track from the Kitchen Cabaret. It's a show that has the whole town cooking. The Kitchen Cabaret. And now, here's your hostess, Bonnie Appetit. Oh, Time for another one. Yesterday's what I feel downcast And catches me in time I don't plan to talk to me My menu will be bad news All the meals time to get Every time you don't Or can't be that bad Cause hands are feeling fine So days when we feel down
And of course, there's this one-minute segment that appeared on several uh, Epcot CDs over the years that was just the summary of all the songs, and it's this one right here. We'd like to sing about a friend who has really come far. He started with some dough and then he rose to be a star. He is hot and rainy, he's a bread and cereal group. Love and right truth, but he can never be duped. It's known that he's no clown. A boogie-woogie bake, we boil the bread with a sound. He's cute, he toots. Fox boldly walking through a hen house door. Too bad for him. He met a hen who stood at six foot four. He won't forget the licking he got from that big chicken. Now he, he gets, gets his poultry from, from the store. <laughs> By the way, Mr. A. Yeah? Why was Chicken Little so upset the other day? Well, his mother fell asleep in a hot tub, and his brother was born hard-boiled. <laughs> One more joke like that, and we'll get the hooks. Well, I hope you enjoyed this look back at the Kitchen Cabaret. Another example of how Disney teaches through fun. You learn something, you left the Kitchen Cabaret, yeah, maybe you didn't learn how to cook, but you learn something about nutritional value and how things work and what you should be thinking about when you're planning your meals and how to work in all the food groups. And I really think that that was one of the things that captured the imagination. It made you think just a little bit. Without realizing you were thinking, you were having a little fun and just enjoying a show. And that is my podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. From all of us, thanks for taking a listen to the podcast today. If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the show stops completely and the doors open. Ladies and gentlemen, please collect your personal belongings, watch your head and step, and take small children by the hand. As this concludes our journey, we hope that you enjoyed the show and that you drive home safely. Our thanks go to Doug at geekacres.net for his contributions to the show. And also to Craig for the original music you hear on the show. You can find Craig's music over at ReverbNation.com slash sound A. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the show, please feel free to contact Dave at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. 
show notes and links to other great content on the web can be found at disneypodcast.net. Now, I will raise the safety bar, and a podcaster will follow you home. Ha 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 ha